up, y'all? This is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. Before we get to the show, I want to give a shout out to the two most recent reviewers on Apple Podcasts for the show. Sivo Surfer and Dippervan Fan. One, your screen names are amazing. And two, your comments were super encouraging, and I really appreciate the positive vibes. If you want to see what they had to say, go check out the show. Oh, I got a Grubhub order showing up. Hold up. All right, we're back from dinner. Grubhub was rolling down the driveway. Uh, that is r- some real life Sunday night stuff when you got a four and a half month old and there's a pandemic going on. So, uh, thanks for entertaining the interruption. So, if you want to see what Sivo Surfer and Dipper Van Fan said, go check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave your own comment, your positive reviews, help others find and trust the show. I hope your fall has been as beautiful as mine has been here in Maine. With all the negativity, angst, and tension in national media, it can be easy to lose sight of the beautiful things right around us. But hopefully, you're getting out and enjoying the turning of the seasons. I also want to thank the Maine Association of Nurse Anesthetists who invited me to present at their fall conference last weekend. It was so good to see other clinical coordinators and preceptors, as well as SRNAs and maybe some anesthesiologists too from near and far. I think we may have had someone to tuning in all the way from the Philippines, if they were able to log on. Uh, As we talked about how to become better clinical educators, you'll likely hear that talk and presentation at some point down the road on the podcast. And Idaho CRNAs, y'all are next in my sights. I'm totally looking forward to coming out to see you in January. It should be an amazing winter conference. Hopefully we'll get some uh, skinning or snowboarding in while we're out there. So, all right, so let's get to the show. This podcast was originally posted on April 13th, 2020, in the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. At the time of this podcast, both Kelly Gallant and Adrian Chavez were SRNAs completing their anesthesia training. They've both wrapped up their training and passports as CRNAs. This show continues to have value for SRNAs and anesthesia residents as the themes we discuss around wellness and resiliency remain as relevant as ever. And so with that, let's get right to the show. I'm going to introduce Kelly and Adrian to you, and then we'll get to it. Today, I'm joined on the show by Kelly Gallant, PhD, SRNA, and Adrian Chavez, BSN, SRNA, to talk about student registered nurse anesthetist wellness in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Both Kelly and Adrian are the immediate past and current SRNA representatives to the American Association of Nurse Anesthetist Health and Wellness Committee. Kelly served in 2019 and Adrian is serving in 2020. I caught up with them to discuss how SRNAs are facing the challenges and concerns of the COVID-19 pandemic as well as advice they have for maintaining a positive mental attitude and also the resources that Kelly and Adrian created along with the rest of the health and wellness committee that are available on AANA.com. Dr. Kelly Gallant is wrapping up her training this spring at Northeastern University in Boston. She received her bachelor's degree from Northeastern in 2010 and spent eight years working in the surgical intensive care unit as a registered nurse while researching pediatric pulmonary hypertension and caregiver reactions as part of her PhD. She completed her PhD at Northeastern in 2017. Kelly then returned to school to study anesthesia and will graduate from Northeastern's nurse anesthesia program with her Master's of Science in Nursing in May of 2020. Adrian Chavez is currently training at the University of Maryland. Adrian received two bachelor's degrees of science at the University of Maryland, one in psychology and the other in nursing. 
She is currently enrolled in the University of Maryland's Doctorate of Nursing Practice Program with an anticipated graduation date of May 2021. Most recently, she worked at the National Institutes of Health as a critical care registered nurse. I'm so excited for you to hear the passion that both of these anesthesia providers have for the wellness of the anesthesia community and SRNAs in particular. And with that, let's get to the show. All right. Well, Adrian and Kelly, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. So I'd like to start by asking you what got you both interested in being the SRNA representative to the AANA Health and Wellness Committee and what your focus or what your work was uh, while you were on that committee. So Kelly, you were previously the uh, student rep for fiscal year 19. So we'll start with you. So what got you interested in the committee and what kind of work did you do while you were there? All right. So um, a lot of my interest in wellness came about probably around eight years ago um, when I was doing my research for my previous research degree. And a lot of the themes that came up were resilience among informal caregivers. And I found that a lot of the themes were super transferable to being an SRNA, just because both groups are in an incredibly stressful time period. It's incredibly unique to what's going on to them. So a lot of the themes that came up were you know, you need help with support, you need support systems, you need to journal, you need to go outside, you need to exercise, you need some sort of physical release. So a lot of those themes were super transferable. So then I decided to embrace them myself when I was a super stressed SRNA, and they really helped me, at least in the first year. So then my second year in the program, that's when I decided to apply for this position. And it was a phenomenal experience. I cannot talk it up enough if there are any SRNAs interested in joining you should definitely apply. It wasn't any like additional huge stress burden for me, and I would highly recommend it. I felt like my committee members really listened to what the student issues were, and they really felt like they were important. And they they just gave a lot of priority to the student issues. I mean, we looked a lot at you know the career transition. We looked a lot at retirement. We looked a lot at work-life balance. But they really paid a lot of attention to student needs just because everyone was there at some point. Um, so I felt like we did a lot of work with that. And it was a great experience. I cannot recommend it enough. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, so you are currently the fiscal year 2020 student rep to the AANA Health and Wellness Committee. Tell us a little bit about what got you interested in that and what kind of stuff you're doing right now with the committee. Sure. And thanks for having us. Um, I became interested in becoming the SRNA rep for the AANA Health and Wellness Committee because I really am passionate about health and wellness. I love fitness, eating healthy, meditation, positive thinking, all of that kind of stuff. I knew school would be stressful, and I wanted to commit to keeping the same healthy lifestyle I had before school and helping others to do the same. As the SRNA rep, I bring the student voice, fellow student concerns, and my perspective to the Health and Wellness Committee on our current issues, which for this year is focused on suicide recognition and prevention and how to reduce burnout in SRNAs and CRNAs. I contribute to articles that some of my amazing committee members are writing, provide feedback on abstracts for annual Congress, and collaborate on ANA documents that are found online. The SRNA rep also helps with the health and wellness activities that occur during annual Congress. Yeah, that's very interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more about the work of the Health and Wellness Committee later on in the show, but um, I want to talk about how the current pandemic has affected your experience as SRNAs uh, in your respective programs. So, uh, so Kelly, 
you were saying before we hit record that you actually just finished your program yesterday at Northeastern University. Congratulations. Ooh, That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and also that you have completed all of your clinical rotations. So you've got your numbers and you're, you're on cruise control till graduation. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And same with my entire senior class. We met or exceeded all the case numbers and hours. Okay. So we are done. So Yes. And, and many, <laughs> many programs are on that kind of spring timeframe for graduation for their senior classes. Uh, some our local university, um, University of New England is set for an August graduation. So those seniors are still looking at trying to get their final numbers uh, to be board eligible. But Kelly, tell us a little bit about um, your experience and how the pandemic affected the final weeks of your clinical experience. Um, it was a little disappointing um, just because we were pulled out of clinical on March 18th. Our clinical coordinator actually made the decision in the morning time. So we knew that was going to be our last day going forward. Oh, wow. Um, but the university sent out an official release saying that everyone was pulled from clinical later that evening. So some other seniors you know, left their clinical site without knowing that was their last day. Some people still haven't even cleaned out their lockers. Wow. Um, so it's it's been it's been a little bit sad. I mean... It was kind of a boring day for my last day. Um, I didn't have any COVID rule outs. It wasn't crazy at all. Um, it was just a little, it was a little bit disappointing. I would have rather seen the entire thing through and finished. I was supposed to finish April 15th, oh, interesting. Um, but sadly we did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But still on track for graduation, which ultimately at this yeah. point is what matters. So, yeah. and uh, Adrian, so you're at the university of Maryland and you're in your first mm -hmm. uh, calendar year of clinical. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on with your experience. Yeah. So we started clinicals around September, late August, and my last day of clinical was March 19th. We um, had started rotating out a couple people had started rotating out um, and I was scheduled to rotate out for my second clinical site on April 1st. So clinicals are just on hold indefinitely, but we are continuing our online classes. Have either of you heard from your clinical rotations, any news in terms of when they would reopen clinical? Everything is a week by week process, um, at least with my clinical site. And I can I'm actually working at my clinical site as an RN right now. And um, we're seeing that big upswing. So Massachusetts is supposed to hit a peak probably between this weekend and next. Um, and I can tell you it's probably not going to be soon, <laughs> uh, but it's a week by week process. From what I'm hearing from our juniors, um, they get new information every week. Yep. Yep. Adrian, yeah, anything, anything different on your same. end? Yeah, about the same. And that's what it is here. Yeah. I mean, the, the hospitals here have not given any indication when they would open up clinical rotations to non-essential staff or personnel. So all, you know, all med students, nursing students, including SRNAs are out of clinicals right now. So it's a, it's a tough time to just kind of sit on furlough. What do you all think, yeah. what do you think SRNAs are most concerned about right now? Completing um, hours. There are, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of things we're concerned about right now, but definitely the biggest concern is surrounding clinical we don't know when we're going to be allowed to go back and if we're going to have enough hours to graduate. I think that's a lot of um, where the, our stress comes from about, you know, if we're going to still be on track to graduate. Um, and then getting all those specialty cases when we go back, because that's going to be kind of a scramble for us. Also, when, when we're finally allowed to go back to the hospital, there's a possibility that these hospitals may be performing a lower amount of elective cases if their ICs are still full. So, that plus increasing our clinical hours to try to graduate on time while maintaining the same class load is going to be tough. I would think that could be incredibly difficult. So Adrian, has, has the University of Maryland 
accelerated your ability to do didactic work in this time frame, or are you still on the same calendar as you were before the pandemic? I think because it's such a big school, a lot of we have a couple classes left that are just DMP related classes, not anesthesia related classes. And because there's so many other programs that are dependent on these classes, it's really hard for them to give us the green light and be like, yeah, you can sign up for this class in the summer. So as of now, technically they haven't accelerated any of our classes. It's the same um, course load. Yeah. And how about you, Kelly uh, at Northeastern has, have they made any accommodations or adjusted the schedule at all for folks to maybe complete work while they're out on furlough uh, that maybe may offload their schedule once clinical kicks back in? Um, at least for the seniors, um, they went entirely online and we actually stuck to the exact same schedule, even the exact means of test taking that we had before. Um, so it wasn't a major change for us, but to yeah. make up for the clinical work, we ended up having to do a board review course, which was actually super helpful because it gave us a different question bank because we, we know Apex inside and out now. And it was nice to see how somebody else writes questions differently. Um, I love Apex, don't get me wrong. Um, but it was actually a pretty positive experience because I think uh, we're so board prep focused that it really helped us. As far as the juniors, I do know that the summer classes are canceled or like they're not going to be in person. Everything will be online, but it still should be the same coursework from what I'm hearing from the juniors. So I think they're right on track academically. It's just clinical. That's the huge issue. Yeah. And I know our juniors have to rotate out for a lot of specialty cases um, just because my hospital is very small. So we don't have neurosurgery. We don't have CT surgery. So they're very worried about getting those numbers as well. So very similar sentiments at Northeastern. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that it, like obviously anesthesia school is incredibly challenging without a worldwide pandemic going on. You know, these questions about can we stay on track with uh, graduation timeframes? Can we continue to make progress in didactic coursework are big questions that SRNAs have. What do you think some of the other challenges that SRNAs are experiencing right now during this pandemic are? How, how is this like heightened the stress of anesthesia school for folks? Uh, Adrian, let's start with you. Sure. CRNA school is definitely the hardest thing I've ever done, for sure. Managing, you know, 48 hours in the hospital and taking five classes doesn't really give you much free time adding, you know, studying anesthesia and spending time with your family. Um, there really was no time left, but I feel like a lot of us had found a rhythm and we were getting everything done. We were kind of on autopilot. So with this pandemic, it's definitely thrown a wrench in all of our plans. The uncertainty of clinical is definitely terrifying, but there are plenty of other things too. A lot of SRNAs who aren't from this area who are just here attending school are not only away from their families, but they're isolating by themselves. Um, mm -hmm. Some SRNAs have friends and families that have tested positive, and we had a couple of SRNAs who self-quarantined because of a possible exposure. For many of us, there are financial stressors. My significant other has been laid off like many other people, and I obviously don't have a job yet either. And I think there's an unspoken internal conflict a lot of us are facing while we're sitting on the sidelines and our friends and peers are on the front lines. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, been a go, go ahead, Kelly. That's been a huge theme for us as well, especially where we're completed or we will complete everything by April 15th. Um, yeah. We were literally sitting around and not helping. And there was a huge disconnect because all of our friends are nurses. So we're hearing about all these people on the front lines and this huge peak that's coming. And that was a, a huge motivator for me to go back to work. 
that. And I mean, obviously I'm unemployed, so financially it makes sense, but a lot of people are dealing with financial struggles as well. Um, just echoing similar sentiments up here in New England. <laughs> yeah. So Kelly, you said in the interim between now and graduation and boards, you decided to get back to work. What kind of nursing are you doing right now? Oh my gosh. So I am working currently per diem at my clinical site um, in kind of a makeshift ICU. They turned the PACU into an ICU. And I'm working alongside PACU nurses who um, they haven't been ICU nurses for a number of years. So they really have been stepping up. I cannot appreciate my coworkers more. I mean, these are senior nurses who haven't been ICU nurses in quite some time, but you know, we all have to take patients because we're seeing a huge hit in Massachusetts right now. So it's been it's been an interesting experience. I can tell you <laughs> the PPE is extremely warm <laughs> and everyone's been dealing really well with each other, um, especially when we're using documentation systems that we're not used to. I personally document on paper with anesthesia and to go from that to being online in the ICU on computer was extremely confusing, but everyone's been incredibly helpful. There's a huge sense of camaraderie amongst everyone just because we're dealing with what we have with the best resources that we have. So yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. It's much different from the anesthesia role and it was weird to step back into it, uh, but I picked it right back up, which was good. I had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Adrian, are any of your classmates or, or yourself, have you considered working at this time as a registered nurse? Yeah. So I am going to be starting uh, as an ICU nurse, I think April 27th. And a, a good handful of us have started pursuing jobs as critical care nurses. I know a lot of SRNAs right now are considering that. How do you think that balance will go with being able to complete didactic coursework? And I mean, you're still in graduate school, so there's still, you know, all of the demands in terms of board preparation, studying and, you know, continuing your journey as an anesthesia provider. How do you think SRNAs are handling that? Or do you have any advice for folks around the country as they look to make income as a registered nurse to try to help out, to try to not just be sitting around, um, you know, at home furlough from clinical, but also try to maintain focus in school? Yeah, I think that for a lot of us, it's hard to sit back and, and focus on anesthesia when there's something that's so much bigger than anesthesia school occurring in the world. I haven't started working yet, but I know it's going to be tough, especially when, we, when I first set foot in there because I've been away from the critical care setting for so long. But once I start working, I know I have to be more disciplined in setting apart time for anesthesia and I think a lot of us do better with more structure. So I'm actually hoping it helps me focus a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the structure has helped me a lot with board prep, uh, which sounds really weird because before I had all this free time and it was just overwhelming because I'm not used to yeah. having free time. So having a shift in between my week it forces me to study. So it has forced me to find some focus. My only concern is uh, with juniors, we don't know when our program is going to accept the juniors back at clinical. And if anyone has an exposure, which could happen, um, you have to be in quarantine for 14 days. So I'm just, yeah. that worries me a lot just because you don't want to lose 14 days where you've already lost a month. So for juniors specifically, I take a little bit of caution, um, but first years and, and third years, go for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I know this is, I mean, it's such a deeply personal decision to make. And I was on a conference call uh, last week with the program that I formally attended. They were having a Zoom meeting with their 
SRNAs and professors and uh, specifically talking about that question, you know, should you go back to clinical? Should you work as a registered nurse right now? What would you all say to folks out there who maybe are choosing not to work? Or could you just talk a little bit more about that decision that you made? Is it primarily motivated by a sense of wanting to help out and wanting to feel like you're actively participating? Uh, Adrian, as you said, in something bigger than anesthesia school right now, or is it is it more of a financial motivation? And for those SRNAs across the nation that may not need to work from a financial standpoint, what would you say to them in terms of being out of clinical right now? Is it, is it a reasonable thing to just stay out of the clinical environment and keep studying? I think you have to do whatever is right for you. I mean, if you want to be extra cautious and make sure that you don't get sick, I mean, stay out of the workplace. Uh, you have to do you. I made the personal decision because I, I felt the need to help out and I saw my colleagues really struggling, um, especially those PACU nurses. I mean, these are nurses that I work with all the time in clinical. However, I have to say the decision was also financial for me just because of my past degree. All of my loans went into repayment even during this time. I think wow. now they're out of repayment because they're giving a grace period to everyone. They went into repayment in January and then I had to apply for a forbearance and my forbearance was set to expire like May 1st. So I I had to get working too. Um, so it just happened to be good timing for me. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adrian, how about you? Yeah, I, I definitely think the decision is personal. I truly feel the same way Kelly feels. I, I just can't sit back and watch my friends, you know, worry. And they have children. I don't even have children um, go into work and be worried about this and struggle and me just sit there. I think for people who are kind of struggling with the decision, I would say that whatever you're feeling, it's completely valid. There are reasons to go. There are reasons not to go. I think either way, it's fine. It's, it's completely a personal decision. What kind of support have your universities offered graduate students or SRAs in terms of how they're coping with this? Um, in terms of Northeastern, the university has a health counseling service line that's open 24-7. Our dean used to be our program director, and our program director is new this year. So our dean has been reaching out to us very frequently and our program director has as well. Um, I feel more bad for them because imagine taking over, you know, you're a new dean, you're taking over this program and this is your first year and all of a the sudden there's a global pandemic. Yeah, It's just crazy. Um, but they've been reaching out to us pretty frequently. I, I feel well supported. I don't know about you, Adrian. How are you feeling? Yeah, our program definitely understands the financial struggles and, you know, this internal conflict that a lot of us feel. So they have given us the green light to work. They do emphasize setting aside time as for didactic knowledge, but, you know, there's such a need. There's, you know, clinical sites that are reaching out, inviting SRNAs to help in their ICUs because they're, they need critical care nurses. And the University of Maryland Medical System has actually partnered up with Johns Hopkins in the state of Maryland to mobilize a 250 bed field medical station in Baltimore. So we're getting emails and, you know, we're being pulled in a lot of directions right now. Um, but the university has done really well in terms of supporting us. You know, they, they have actually, our professors have been calling us um, about every two weeks and kind of just checking in on us to see how we're doing. Yeah, that's great. So Adrian, it sounds like things in Maryland are uh, pretty overwhelming for the local health systems right now. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're very much needed in the, in the hospitals right now. 
is Maryland putting out um, a call for travel nursing assignments? Or, I mean, obviously this uh, podcast is going out to SRNAs who may be in multiple locations across the nation and may be in health systems that are not nearly as overwhelmed. Uh, would you say there's a need for folks to travel to Maryland to help out? Honestly, I'm not really sure. I, I don't think we're, we're there yet. Um, because if I'm looking at different websites, I see, you know, places like New York, California, Washington state. Um, I haven't really seen any, any travel positions for Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. I know, I know even, you know, some of the CRNAs that I work with here have, have considered, you know, going down to New York city to try to help out with staffing crises, but then also weigh the personal challenge of the risk of getting an exposure. And then also the definitive uh, statement from our local government here that says, if you travel to New York and you come back, you have to be on a a two week self quarantine, whether you're sick or not. So um, Mm -hmm. those can be difficult decisions to make. Um, It's a challenging time right now. It's very interesting as folks, you know, Kelly, I was uh, encouraged to hear your story about the PACU nurses and how supportive everyone is being in, in, in new, in new roles, new challenges, Mm-hmm. That's certainly been going on here in Maine, where uh, the majority of our you know eighty plus CRNA staff have trained to go work in the ICUs as registered nurses again, and it's a very foreign environment. It's different than mm-hmm. anesthesia, so having to learn new charting systems and new workflow patterns, and you know work in a, a different scope of practice, um, all of those things can be very challenging. But there's a lot of good that can come out of it too when you see people pull together and work together and. Uh, focus on a common good, which it sounds like yeah. both of you have had some exposure to. Yeah, and our CRNAs actually have been functioning as kind of hospitalists. Um, they usually float around the the COVID unit, and they'll put in A lines if needed. They'll help um, clamp ET tubes to do a, a change or whatever. They'll help prone. Um, so really, it's been a, it's been a team effort from everyone. So every everyone's been doing a fabulous job. Yeah, that's awesome. What have you all personally found to be the most helpful in dealing with the stress of the pandemic and the concerns of the current situation that we're in? Kelly, let's start with you. Okay. So this is going to be kind of ridiculous, but I love winter sports. I'm a New England person through and through. I grew up figure skating. I went to ice hockey. I do skiing of any kind. I actually, um, as a treat myself gift for graduation, I got myself a pair of figure skates that are inline skates. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I look absolutely ridiculous, but I've been so sad that all the rinks have been closed because that was my uh. number one stress relief, being able to skate and everything is shut down. So as ridiculous as I look, um, it's so stress relieving and they look like figure skates on my feet on the street. So I, I look like a ridiculous person. But honestly, no one in my town would question it because everyone's kind of weird here. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> kind of weird. But I, I bike too. <laughs> I, I've been walking between five and 10 miles a day at baseline. I've been really trying to stay like physically active and outside as much as possible. Because inside is just depressing. I'm by myself here because I'm quarantining since I'm actively working. Yeah. Um, I've been FaceTiming family, you know, that kind of stuff. That, that's really, that's really it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Adrian, how about you? What's been most helpful during this time? Definitely exercising, like Kelly said, taking long walks, just spending time outdoors. But I think um, one of the things that's helped me the most is really trying to keep my perspective in check. You know, if I'm feeling upset or stressed, I know that those feelings are valid, but there's a pandemic going on where thousands of people are dying. I'm so grateful 
that I'm healthy and my family's healthy. And I really try to maintain like an attitude of gratitude and focus on the things I can control while not really stressing out about the things I can't control. An attitude of gratitude. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's great advice. <laughs> Yeah, in some ways, you know, my neighbors where I live have been very kind and, you know, they've reached out to my wife is a CRNA. So they, they know that we work at the hospital and anesthesia and they've been very supportive and reached out. But on the other hand, I feel feel incredibly blessed as well to be able to still be yeah. gainfully employed and to be able to help our community in a time of significant need right now. So mm-hmm. while there is um, very real increased risk and the stress that goes along with that, especially as you read stories of, you know, young, healthy healthcare workers developing severe disease and even dying from COVID-19. That's obviously a very, a very heavy thing to think about. Um, But at the same time, I I also feel very blessed and to be able to uh, continue to pay bills and make income, but also to be able to give back and help out um, in a time Mm -hmm. of need. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What, what would you all really like to have SRNAs hear from you right now or hear from as you represent the AANA? What, what would you like folks to, to hear uh, during this time? I think just to remember, you know, that we're all in this together. We're facing this uncharted territory together and it's scary and it's okay to feel scary and angry and want answers. But I think putting ourselves in other people's shoes, you know, we're looking for answers, but people don't have answers for us, you know, in terms of even our schools, because we've never gone through anything like this before. I know that the finish line looks a lot further now more than ever, but it's still there. And the AANA is really working diligently to provide updated information on all aspects of this pandemic and how it affects the membership. I agree with that. I would also like to say that, um, even though it will be a new normal, there will be a new normal that will arrive. The need for elective surgery will not just go away. So eventually these cases will pick back up. It won't be the same as it was before, but there will be an endpoint in sight. And it's just something, everything is temporary. You just need to keep your chin up just for right now. Um, everyone's working together, collaborating, doing a great job. They're getting as much information as they can. Um, just to really sit tight and have faith that there will be a finish line in sight. And I actually looked at the ANA's um, COVID wellness site, and I have to plug Allie McLean. I worked with her at Boston Children's as a student. She was phenomenal. There is a um, mindfulness video while wearing an an N95, and it was incredibly helpful for me um, just going back to work because we wear them for 8 to 12 hours at a time. And it does feel very suffocating. And sometimes you, I'm not prone to panic. And sometimes I feel very panicky just being entrapped in all this equipment. Yeah, wow. And her video was so helpful for me. So I cannot stress enough to go and take a look at that if you have to work with these patients or if you're going back to the bedside. Um, but there will be a finish line. <laughs> yeah, Kelly, that's a great word. And so that's on the ANA's COVID-19 wellness site. And we'll also link to that on the show notes of this podcast. So thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for putting that out there. I, w- I wonder if uh, either of you would talk about the folks in your classes and what their job prospects have looked like. Have you, have, oh. <laughs> uh, Kelly, have you been able to find groups that are hiring right now? And, and Adrian, for the seniors, a year ahead of you, what, what have their job prospects look like? So Kelly, let's, let's start from you since you're right on the cusp. Yes, it has been terrible for me, <laughs> uh, for my classmates, not so much, but everyone signed before this pandemic. I was the only one who kind of held out for a little while. I, I'm just kind of noncommittal. I need, I need just some more time to think about things. 
Um, so I was the only one who hadn't signed and I really wish I did because, um, all offers are completely off the table, uh, just because a lot of groups are furloughing their CRNAs right now. So that, that has actually been the biggest source of stress for me, um, thus far. I'm happy to be employed as an RN, but I'd really like to know that I'm going to be employed as a CRNA somewhere. It would be, it would be a huge relief to me, but um, so far nowhere. I'm hoping once we obtain that kind of new normal and once elective surgeries start to resume, there will be a huge need for CRNAs at that point. So my experience has been, I'll look back at how each group has treated their CRNAs. Are they being furloughed? Are they being paid? Are they being forced to take their PTO? And I'll just look at their experiences and make my decision based on that, I think. So I, I don't have a job yet. Yeah, I think that's and a, go ahead. It's been an interesting journey, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I can't imagine how stressful that would be for you right now. Um, are you looking just in New England or are you willing to go anywhere? I, I'm looking just in New England. I own my house. I'm kind of a homebody. I've been from Massachusetts my entire life, so specifically Massachusetts. Okay. Um unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we are, we're hard hit right now. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would echo your comment that at some point there's going to be a back into this and, you know, the cases that needed to be done in this time frame are not going to go away. And so there will yeah. be a yeah. massive backlog of elective cases and procedures that people need to get done, which is, you know, kind of a secondary way from a public health standpoint of, you know, the pandemic's wake is that, yes, many hundreds of thousands of people have been struck and ill with COVID-19, but there are also people who really needed elective procedures uh, to maintain or to improve their health. And those things have been put on hold. And so there will be an uptick in elective cases and a huge need for anesthesia providers in the coming months. So, for those of you listening who are looking for a job and, you know, there's kind of a, a pause in the air right now, I would, I would sit tight. And Kelly, as you said, I think that's such a great tip for people who are interviewing is to ask questions about, you know, the CRNA experience during the pandemic and how the groups treated those CRNAs, because that will speak volumes about mm -hmm. um, whether or not that's a group that you want to join. Be okay. cautious, I would say, about groups who suddenly have lots and lots of openings, because it may have been a group that decided to lay off all of their CRNAs. And while, yes, while yeah. some of those decisions are unavoidable for groups, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of backstories um, that may be worth exploring in interviews as uh, graduating SRNAs look for those first jobs as CRNAs. Mm -hmm. But Adrian, how about you? What's been the experience of the folks uh, a year ahead of you in terms of the job search? I think for the most part, most of the students did secure a job. I think they're a little worried about, you know, their potential start date being pushed back, but I think that they're feeling pretty okay, hoping that, you know, this kind of dies down, like you said, that there's going to be an upswing of elective cases so that, that they might get hired um, right around their start date. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Hopefully so. So Kelly, you're at the, you're at the end of your program and you're getting ready to graduate. You previously were the student rep for the health and wellness committee. If you had grad school to do it over again, uh, would you still be on the health and wellness committee? What, what kind of encouragement would you give to SRNAs out there who are thinking about getting involved with the AANA? I would be on the health and wellness committee 20 times over. Everyone was super supportive in my tenure there. Uh, they were all willing to hear out the student experience. And a lot of our meetings were actually very heavily student focused, which I was really impressed with. 
what we did on our time, just to give you an idea of what the workload is like, there are two in-person meetings and then everything else is over the phone. We did analyze member inquiries and we looked at uh, what the members really wanted to see. So they were interested in seeing career phases, workplace wellness, and bullying issues. And I thought it was especially important to look at bullying between preceptors and students. So that's where we created this whole Thrive initiative. And it's an entire webpage full of resources for these specific issues. And it is all structured according to career phase. So we have a lot of information on the RN becoming an SRNA, the beginning of practice. So that would apply to me and uh, what to look out for for the correct job, how to interview well. There's other resources on there as well. There's wellness resources. There's the journey for the mid-career people and then transitioning to retirement. And under that one, there's all sorts of resources about Medicare. There's resources about Social Security, about prepping yourself for retirement. So we tried to bridge what the members wanted into this format that seemed to make a little more sense because it seemed like we were getting some answers out of left field. But then the way that it's structured right now is really intuitive. So that was our big our big um, product that we came up with during our time. So it was probably, I believe it's about one phone meeting a month and it was two in-person meetings. I didn't feel like it detracted from my studies at all. And I actually, I really look forward to talking to everyone because after meeting everyone in person, they're all these phenomenal people who are really passionate about wellness. And it, I just naturally became friends with them so quickly. And it helped. Um, one of my professors was actually on my committee as well. So I already knew someone going in, which made it a little bit easier. But you don't even really have to know anybody going into it. Um, it was a really positive experience for me. And I couldn't encourage you enough if you're even the least bit interested, please pursue that. Oh, that's awesome, Kelly. Thanks. So, uh, Adrian, so you're, you're in it to win it right now. Uh, you're the student rep on the committee currently for the Health and Wellness Committee. What would you say to SRNAs out there who are thinking about getting involved with the AANA? It's such a great experience meeting some of these CRNAs who are so passionate about um, health and wellness. I would recommend doing this committee to anybody who's interested in health and wellness. I think, like Kelly said, they very much focus on SRNAs as well, you know, to make sure that we're heard and we're being taken care of. And like Kelly said, the requirement for the meetings and the phone calls, it's, it's very little. And I truly enjoy getting to work on whatever little thing we're doing at the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, is there anything else that y'all want to share with SRNAs who may be listening? I'd like to remind everyone to go to aana.com slash COVID wellness and go through the resources that were made for us in mind. Also, if anyone is interested in becoming the health and wellness student rep or a student rep for another committee for the fiscal year 2021 to place the application on the AANA website before June 30th. Like Kelly had mentioned, it's an amazing opportunity to meet some amazing and inspiring CRNAs and become active within the AANA. Um, and finally, just Please remember by the time all this is over, I'm sure all of us will know or know someone who's been affected by this pandemic in some capacity. And I would encourage you to be kind to one another. The only way that we can get through times like this is if we stand together. I truly am in awe of how the community has come together to support each other during times of this crisis. Um, you know, Kelly is saying how, you know, PASI nurses are kind of just becoming ICU nurses who haven't been ICU nurses in a long time people and businesses sewing masks and creating these face shields, donating meals to frontline healthcare workers, um, you know, even the kind messages on hospital sidewalks. And just to remember when all this is over, we can do great things together. 
if we all work together and support each other through these tough times. Ah, Adrian, that's such a good word. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Kelly, any, any closing thoughts from you? Um, specifically to current SRNAs, just keep your chin up. This will end at some point. We will be entering a new normal, but it will become our normal. Um, just be determined, stay focused. Staying focused is extremely important. I know there's a lot of distracting news stories out there. Just try to stay focused on your studies as much as you can. If you choose to work, please find some sort of work-life balance. Again, I would like to plug (laughs) my work on the Health and Wellness Committee. Um, If you look up the ANA Thrive page, we have all sorts of resources there for career transition and work-life balance. So please take a look at that. There's so many resources on there and um, just generalized dealing with stress, even bridging to retirement for some of our um, phasing out CRNAs who are looking at that phase in their life. So please check that out and please embrace your own wellness at this time. I know it's an extremely stressful time, but find some method of stress relief. Just know that you can't really control everything that's going on. I know we're all type A personalities. Just try to set that aside for a minute. Just breathe, accept everything as it is, and please find some sort of outlet, whether it's physical activity, whether it's looking like a complete dingus figure skating on the streets like (laughs) I am. Uh, Please just find some means of wellness for yourself at this time and keep your chin up. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And I want to highlight before we go that AANA Health and Wellness Committee has a new website up with wellness resources that are specific for CRNAs and SRNAs who are working through the challenges related to the current pandemic. So Adrian, would you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Everything related to SRNA and CRNA well-being during this time has been added to aana.com slash COVID wellness. And I urge anyone listening to take the time to check it out. There's really great CRNA produced wellness content, articles, videos, podcasts, like your SRNA moving forward when furloughed. Other sections of this page include a section titled Giving Back, where we highlight how SRNAs, CRNAs are giving back and information to do more. We also have a list of free wellness services during this time and a lot of resources on how to improve your mental, emotional, physical, and even financial well-being. Utilizing resources like these are essential to maintain optimal health during a time like this. There's also information on conversation tips to support a colleague options on when you need to talk to someone and when to seek professional help and resources for substance use disorder and recovery. Wow. That's incredible. I've been very impressed, I think, in the last couple of years with the Health and Wellness Committee and the amount of resources that they have created online. So if you're an AANA member, I think if you can surf to the website and check it out, I think the association has really uh, with the help of both of you, Adrian and Kelly has really put out a lot of great resources for folks. So if you've got questions, you know, these are things that you can do in your own time, you know, to get on there and find the resources that are pertinent to you and specific to you, no matter what career phase that you're in. Agreed. I, I am looking at the COVID website right now and absolutely phenomenal work. I have to say great job, Adrian. Um, and Thanks. just as a random plug, if you scroll down to the free wellness services, Headspace is offering free access for healthcare professionals through this entire year. And it's been very helpful for me. I've been listening to, they have these sleep narratives and it's just like a a simple story, but someone with a super relaxing accent talks (laughs) about it and it just, it lulls me to sleep every night. So I I could not, (laughs) that was extremely helpful to me. Um, So thank you for posting all these resources. They're really great. And Allie McLean's video is on there as well about um, mindfulness with the N95 mask on. So just great resources. Please check them out. 
Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll have links to all of that uh, and more in the show notes to this episode. So, well, Kelly and Adrian, thank you so much for your time and also your contributions. I wish you both the best as you move forward, um, wrapping up school. Uh, Kelly, a little bit quicker here in the next month or so. And, <laughs> and Adrian, good luck on catching back up in clinical and wrapping up. And I uh, wish you both the best in your careers coming up as CRNAs. Uh, it's going to be a challenging time. And I love the spirit of, of both of your comments that um, – uh, moving forward together in, in the teams that we're in right now is the way that we'll be able to create success and a sense of uh, shared well-being in our anesthesia community, but also in the broader healthcare community that we work in. So, but thank you both for your time to contribute today to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us, John. <laughs> thank you again. Hey y'all, John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcasts? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.